Welcome back to another episode of Father Time. Uh, this is Matt McBrayer, and with me is uh, Chase Green. How are you doing, Chase? I'm doing well. How about you? Yeah, I'm doing pretty good. We, um, I think, last time that we were on the show, uh, I mentioned that uh, you know we're going to be having a baby soon. We so we did. You know that was uh, May eighth, and um, man, it's uh, it's been January. Interest. Yeah, January. Yeah, sorry, sorry. Yeah, uh, January eighth. Yeah. What did I say? You're you're a tired father. I am <laughs> a tired <laughs> father. <laughs> you said May. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, yeah, that, that is definitely the case. I am, I am tired most of the time. I actually got the best amount of sleep that I've had the entire time last night. So I'm pretty, uh, it's pretty interesting that I said, said that, but yeah, no, I've been sleep deprived for days. So right. it's, uh, it, I've, I've gotten, I think on an average of maybe four and a half hours of sleep every, every night. And, uh, you know, trying to, trying to take care of things, help my wife get re uh, recovered and all that. Um, Back to the grind, huh? Yeah. Yeah. So for those of you who don't know me, I've got, this is now my sixth child, but my fifth child was born, you know, uh, six years ago. So right. uh, we are, uh, you know, we had a surprise here. And so it's, uh, it's interesting. It's fun. Um, but uh, I've been telling everybody that uh, the person who said, I don't know who said this, but the person who said kids keep you young was not nearly 40 with a newborn. You know, they just weren't. And um, right. But anyway, yeah, and no, we. Uh, what's his name? Ahead. I was about to say that's Tanner Japheth, Tanner Japheth McBrayer. So nice. looking, looking forward to, um, uh, you know, the time that i've got to spend with him i hold him every day for several hours and uh, you know he's a cute little kiddo so loving it so um, japheth so you didn't go with ham or shim no japheth, <laughs> japheth means to expand and uh um, nice. well you know we expanded when we didn't think we would so <laughs> um so anyway we we did that it's it's um we've named all of our kids um you know from the bible uh, the boys coincidentally all have T names. So, um, uh, while there's not no, someone named Tanner, uh, we have, uh, you know, different uh, people that are Tanners in the Bible. Simon was um, a Tanner. Yeah. You know, Michael Clark, uh, just calls him Simon. He said, I refuse to call him <laughs> Tanner. He is Simon. So that's funny. Um, but yeah, well, Hey, look, we are excited, uh, about this episode today of father time. Um, we have been dealing with, we're starting this, um, uh, series here, uh, this season on, uh, leading by learning. We've really just been talking about Bible study. We're trying to help dads, uh, in their Bible study, uh, because, you know, not all of us have had formal training for those of us who have had formal training. Some of this can still be daunting when you're trying to, um, do Bible time with, uh, your kids, um, but uh, the biggest thing that, you know, I was thinking about when we're, we started doing this season is um, the fact that um, as a dad, uh, you have to just kind of know what you're about to do. Um, you can't just, you know, just willy nilly open up the Bible and start reading. I mean, you could, but it would not be as good. So you really need to know what's going on. And so, uh, 
that's what we're trying to do. We're trying to basically give a crash course here in uh, in Bible study, different ways of doing Bible study, how to increase your knowledge, um, and uh, eventually we'll get to how to help um, uh, portray this to the various age groups, you know, um, because, you know, you know, right now, clearly just had a newborn. I've got a newborn all the way up to a 15 year old. And um, you think about that and, um, you know, there's a big age range there that we have to deal with. So sometimes we deal with things in different ways. Sometimes we skip certain subjects because, you know what, they're just not old enough to, to learn this yet. And uh, and so, yeah, that's that's what we do. Um, but anyway, Chase, do you have any thoughts to add to this about your thoughts as we're moving forward with uh, um, this season and and these lessons in particular with leading by learning? Well, I was just thinking about the rationale for why we want to do this. You know, you and I had the opportunity to spend two years straight in preaching school studying the Bible. But realistically, not every Christian is going to have that opportunity. Not every father is going to have that opportunity. So we need to be able to still have a good overview of how to study the Bible and how to grasp it, how to understand it, whether we're talking the big picture of the entire Bible or the big picture of various books of the Bible, and then on down, you know, working our way down to the minute details that are also important. So I think it's important for us to cover this from a practical perspective. And we're going to be looking at, you know, different methods, if you will, for how to study the Bible. And I think Matt's got uh, a tried and true way that he studies the Bible, and I'm looking forward to to hearing about that. So, All right. Well, let's get started on this, though. Uh, the first thing I want to mention is um, uh, we're looking at ways to study the Bible, uh, first of all. And uh, we're just going to kind of cover some major, and these are really um, types of uh, sermons really is what you're looking at. Um, uh, but this is uh, kind of a basis for studying the Bible when you're trying to put together a lesson. And so that's how, how we're doing this today. But the first one is this, um, you know, I, I've kind of got this, um, you know, this, this is not the same exact thing, but I want to talk about these two things together. And that is uh, using a concordance uh, as well as doing a word study. Uh, someone might think, oh, that's the same thing, isn't it? And it's not, because uh, a word study, uh, you're going to look at a word, and you're going to see uh, how many times that's in the Bible, uh, how it's used each of those times. Uh, and I'll, um, you know, just, just for those of us who have had some um, training in the original languages, um, I, I'm you know, uh, proficient in Greek, but I, uh, I, I know enough to get myself in trouble in Hebrew. And, um, and so I, I don't know that very well at all, to be honest, but, um, I do have uh, logos, which I love using logos. Um, there are other Bible software programs out there, but I like the power that logos has in this regard, uh, to doing a word study because it will show you, uh, how many times an English word is, is, um, used, but then it tells you how many Greek words are are used in translating that way. So, for instance, if you were to uh, look up something like forgiveness, I'm just making up stats here at the moment, but if you're to look up uh, the word forgiveness in English, well, it's going to tell you, well, look, there's um, 
uh, four words here in the New Testament that are uh, used and translated as forgiveness, and they mean these things. And so you can kind of go back to each verse and look at them and go, yeah, okay. So, you know, each one of these, um, you see how it's used. You see how it's been translated. And, um, you know, it's it's just really helpful uh, to uh, be able to see uh, how everything has been translated from uh, Greek into English. And, you know, you really don't have to have any real formal training when you're using Logos in this regard, because it will have what it looks like in the Greek, but it also have it transliterated. Uh, transliteration is just a basically a translation from letter to letter uh, from one language to another. And so uh, it'll take the Greek and it'll, you know, just letter for letter, turn it into English. And then um, you can you, you know, be able to sound it out, you know, fairly easily. Um, maybe not get it exactly right, but you can kind of get the gist. But anyway, it will, you know, go through and and help you out with that. But um, you can do this also with a concordance. It's just a little harder because it's the back of a concordance. You have a lexicon and um, and uh, you can do some of that with this. But um, for those of us that don't have something like a tool like Logos, um, uh, then and Logos is just a Bible software, uh, but uh, Logos, um, if you don't have it, uh, you can easily pick up a concordance and pretty much do something. It's it's just as good, you know, in this regard uh, for what you're trying to do. But that is just open up a concordance and look up a word. I think a lot of us did this, you know, early on. I remember um, that after I became a Christian and I started studying the Bible, um, the first thing I bought was a um, concordance. Uh, I got I got that and I started just looking up words. I remember I was like, well, I was just baptized. So I looked up baptism and I was trying to find every time it was used. And so then what it does is you can, you know, see every verse in the Bible that has that word in it. And um, you need an exhaustive concordance to do that. But yeah, wait, this is a I think a really good way uh, to start studying the Bible. Uh, do you have any thoughts on on this? on word studies or using a concordance and in, in studying the Bible, Chase? Well, I think it's, it's just makes sense. You know, the Bible gives us everything that we need pertaining to life and godliness, second Peter one, verse three. And that includes various topics that affect all of us. And so you get a hankering, if you will, for thinking about a various topic. Well, what does the Bible have to say about this? And you can look up that word in a concordance or with the concordance feature on Logos or other Bible software, and you can see all the different verses that pertain to that subject. And so it does lend itself to these topical studies. And uh, topical preaching and topical studies not the only effective way, and, and I would encourage us to uh, not lean too far to only topical type studies. I think something else we're going to talk about here in a little bit is also good, uh, and we need both. But topical studies can be very, very handy. And, you know, as Christians, we think about various topics and we want to mold our thinking. We want to pattern our thinking based on what the Bible has to say about those topics. So this is very, very handy 
and uh, maybe you've got teenagers and you want to talk about different things that they might have to deal with in their lives. You know, what does the Bible say about dancing? Or what does the Bible say about alcohol? You know, uh, different topics that teenagers have to deal with. Well, you can look those words up and see every verse, uh, you know, the entirety of the Scripture, the sum, the total of the Scriptures and what they say about that, you know, uh, lending itself to Psalm 119, verse 160, the uh, the sum of your word is truth. So we need to take everything that the Bible has to say about any given subject. Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, these like word studies and using the concordance, you can do that pretty easily. You can see, you know, every time um, that, you know, something is used and, and it's not going to give you every single reference, but it will give you every single time the word is used. That's, that's the key. Now, something kind of interesting, if, if you do like um, uh, to have a more powerful tool, Logos has developed a tool um, that they've had for a couple of years where you can still do this, where you look up um, these words, but like, uh, for instance, I'm, I'm trying to remember one that I've done like this, but I think I did it with a person. I think I did it with um, Abraham and, um, and, and instead of it showing Abraham every single time, it'll actually uh, look up the pronouns for Abraham as well. So if one wow. verse says Abraham, the next verse says he in reference to Abraham, you can look at it's awesome. That's it. cool. It is yeah. really cool. So, yeah, that, I mean, that's huge because, you know, yeah. uh, you know, you might have one verse in a chapter that says Abraham, and then it's got 10 more verses after that that mm -hmm. use that pronoun to describe him. And if you want to really see all of it, you need that too. So that's really, yeah. really cool. I didn't know it did that. Yeah. Oh yeah. That's fun. Um, I've used that several times, but yeah, it, it helps out in that regard, but also it does places as well, because like sometimes places are referred to as different, different things have different names and does that too. It's pretty cool. Um, okay. So something we kind of started to get into, cause like, you know, we, these things are so closely related. Um, we've got this kind of split up into four sections and, um, uh, and, you know, these two are closely related. The next two are also closely related. Um, but, you know, we kind of talked about, you know, topical studies and uh, how does a topical study um, differ from a word study? Um, you know, cause the word is only going to just be the word that you're looking at, but a topic it, it could have a whole lot, you know, more to deal with. Um, you know, you might, uh, um, you know, be studying a topic of violence um, in its reference in the Bible. And um, you can see how God's people went to war several times in the Old Testament. Um, you can see when, uh, you know, Peter uh, struck out trying to defend Jesus, you could see all, but those are in different contexts, um, different thought processes, you know, um, just you, so you, you would, you look up all those different things and kind of bring it together and go, well, you know, <clears throat> clearly self-defense is okay. Uh, while Peter is, is, you know, gotten onto there, you know, there's other references to being able to defend yourself. And, uh, you know, even Jesus before Peter did that said, Hey, sell sell your cloak by sword. Um, and that's the thought process. But then also, you know, go and you look in the old Testament, all these times that they go to war, 
then you gotta go, okay, so there is a specific context for this. And so you, you, you're looking up this topic on, on violence and it's going to be a little bit broader than just the word. Cause if you look up the word violence in the scripture, you're not going to come up with all of these things. Um, so um, you could still do a, um, you know, just using baptism again, you could do a topical study on baptism. Um, but uh, uh, it's, it's going to be more than just every single time you see the word baptism. It's going to be the greater context of it. There are some references even going back into the Old Testament where you need to go up and, and look at stuff. And so it's going to be a broader, a broader subject. Um, you know, what, what do you got thoughts on that, Chase? I think you covered it pretty well. It's just, uh, you know, individual words, like you said, are more fine-tuned versus a broad subject of violence. Well, you could talk about, you know, murder. You could talk about killing in self-defense. You could talk about capital punishment. I mean, there's just a lot there in that particular topic. Uh, What about, you know, the church? You know, the church would be a broad topic. And then underneath that, you could, you know, look up the word body. You could look up... Uh, Christ as the head of the church, and, and there's just a, a lot of different things that go into a topical study such as that, and I think it's important for us to be able to look at it broadly and then, you know, kind of narrow down as we study, okay, well, we want to get into this aspect of that broader topic, uh, because I think one thing that may overwhelm some of us as we're trying to study God's Word is maybe we do see it in a very broad way. And then we get overwhelmed because we're like, I, don't, I just don't know if I can take all this in. Well, you don't have to take all of it in at once. You can narrow things down and study this for a while and then study that. And then uh, it's, a, it's a cumulative effect. You know, I've been studying the Bible full time for, oh, seven or eight years now, I guess it is. And, uh, you know, between preaching school and then as a full time minister. And I understand the Bible a lot better today than I did when I embarked on this journey. And that's going to be the case with all of us. You know, we have to have a starting point and uh, we don't need to be intimidated by the fact that, you know, maybe we don't know as much as we would like. No, just pick something and study it. And then as you study and study and study, you're going to start building on the things that you know about the Bible. And it's only going to increase your ability to understand what you're studying. Right. Yeah. I, I've talked about this, I think, on this show, but just um, just to kind of remind uh, people, you know, um, uh, I do a lot of reading and, um, you know, I, I've gotten into conversations with people about reading and some people are like, you know, you need to read really fast. And some people are like, you need to read really slow to kind of comprehend stuff. I don't take that approach. I just go, hey, you just read it and it'll be fine you know you don't have to sit there and take notes over every single thing you know uh just read it um you're going to glean from it um you might want to underline some things you might want to jot a couple notes down here and there but um i don't treat every book like a textbook you know so mm-hmm. i i just read it but um you know it's kind of like like food you know there's a relation uh, here in scripture to you know hungry and thirsting for righteousness you know uh going to the word of god and so when you think about uh, food. Um, can you remember what you ate last week? Could you, if I asked you to tell me everything you ate last week, you couldn't write that all down, but did you benefit from it? Yeah. 
you know, so yeah. when it comes to study, yeah, you know, um, sometimes you feel like you're, you know, drinking through a fire hose, um, mm -hmm. but you do gain from it. And, and sometimes it's okay to just slow down a little bit. Now, yeah. Okay. I want to discuss this with you on this thought of topical study. Uh, some people, I think when they, uh, think of, uh, you know, studying the Bible, they automatically go to topical study instead of some of these other things. Um, I have an opinion on that. Um, I mean, I think we all do that um, to some degree, like when we're because we don't know where to start um, and we want to, you know, get this wide range of knowledge. But that's the problem is a topical study does not give you a wide base of knowledge. Um, really, in order for you to do a good topical study, um, well, I guess backing up, I heard, um, I don't, I don't respect this preacher at all, but this uh, preacher was like, well, you know, topical studies are so shallow and, um, you know, basically you don't have to know a lot in order to do it. And I was like, I think that's the complete opposite. I think you need to know a lot in order to do a topical study. I, I don't think that guy's ever done a good topical study if he said that, because you have to know, you know, pretty much the, you know, basis of that topic over the entirety of scripture to really do it right. Yeah. And so it can be dangerous because you don't know everything. Do you have thoughts on that? Well, it kind of goes back to what we were saying earlier in that, you know, you've got the big picture of the Bible, and then you start working your way down to to more minute and minute details. And topical studies get into the minute details of individual words, individual topics. And that's fine. We need to do that. But let's say that our big picture understanding of God's Word is skewed. If our big picture understanding of God's Word is off— then we there's a danger that we will go into eisegeting yeah. things that are our preconceived ideas into the text. Mm -hmm. And if we are looking at individual verses by themselves, and if we're taking them out of context, and we are basically making a pretext out of those verses or a proof text, and and don't get me wrong, the apostles quoted scriptures here and there sometimes. Jesus quoted a scripture mm -hmm. here and there sometimes. It can be done right, yeah. but the danger is that sometimes we may quote one verse here and one verse over there, and we do lift it out of its context, and we actually pervert the meaning of it because we don't have that big-picture understanding of the totality of the teachings of God's word that we should have. So topical studies can be great. We just have to be extremely careful with them. And sometimes it might, it might be a good idea for a beginner to just read, just read, yeah. read, read, understand and grasp the big picture of the Bible. What is the problem with sin? What is, what is going to reconcile the sin problem? Jesus. You know, you can find Jesus and the idea of Jesus in all the books, yeah. the entirety of the Bible. Uh, you know, what is the nature of God? Things like that. And then big picture for 
the plan of salvation, big picture for the church, all these big topics that you've got to understand so that you then can go into some of those other minute topics with a clear big picture understanding so that you don't mess those other topics up, I guess. Yeah, so I'm going to try to remember to bring this up at the end when I start discussing um, this other method of studying the Bible. Um, maybe you can help me remember. I don't know if I'll be able to remember. <laughs> I said May 8th at the beginning, not January 8th. So, you know, you know, <laughs> but um, uh, yeah, no, I mean, all, all that, you know, what you said is is absolutely true. Um, you know, we've got... Um, we've got to know the totality of the Bible and studying a topic uh, can kind of give you some tunnel vision. And uh, if you already have some preconceived notions, like you said, um, then you're going to be proofing that as you go. And uh, so, yeah. Uh, all right. So, um, you know, we got two more to talk about and then we're going to talk about this um, other way of studying that, that I do um, all the time. Um, but, uh, this other one, uh, Chase, I'm gonna let you just start us off on these next two, um, uh, exegetical study. Can you explain that to us and just kind of give us your two cents? Sure. So exegesis would be the process of discovering, uh, and this is a, this is a uh, definition I found, so this isn't from me, but the process of discovering the original and intended meaning of a passage of scripture. I think it's very important for us to to understand that the original intended meaning is discoverable. That is, we can find out what the original intended meaning of Scripture was. And it is essential that we are able to do that because the original writers of God's Word and ultimately inspired by the Holy Spirit knew what they meant. They meant what they said, and they said what they meant. And so it's absolutely critical that we get the right interpretation of what they meant when they wrote. So Second uh, Peter 1, verses 20 and 21 says, Knowing this first, that no prophecy of the Scripture is of any private interpretation. For the prophecy came not in old time by the will of man, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. In other words, the Holy Ghost had a very specific intended meaning when he inspired these men to write these things. It is not up to man to say, you know, I think it means this. And somebody over here says, well, I think it means that. And we say, okay, we're both right. Now, <laughs> now, now in matters of opinion, it would be one thing. There are some things that are matters of opinion, and we can we can have some differences of opinion. But in doctrinal matters, that approach doesn't work because the Bible yeah. is very clear, very black and white on doctrinal matters, and we have to get it right. We have to discover the original intended meaning that God meant. And so we need to be able then to interpret Scripture properly as we exegete the text, as we discover the meaning of the text. This is uh, also known as hermeneutics, and uh, Maybe you've heard that term before, uh, maybe you haven't, but hermeneutics basically just means the science of proper interpretation, so properly interpreting the Scriptures. There are several rules that we need to follow uh, when we properly interpret the Bible. There are several. I'm just thinking of a few here, but uh, the Bible, number one, never contradicts itself. So you have to remember that 
If you think you've got a contradiction <clears throat> as you're reading, then you need to figure out where you have misinterpreted because there's something wrong with your interpretation. So the Bible never contradicts itself. The Bible is its own best commentary. Uh, there are Bible passages that further explain other Bible passages that you may come across. One example of that would be uh, Acts chapter 2, when Peter quotes from Joel. He says, mm -hmm. you know, this is what Joel was saying, paraphrasing him. And so, well, if you want to know more about that, where do you go? Yeah. You go to Joel. Joel. <laughs> right, you go to Do Joel, and it ends up being chapter 2, verses 28 and following. And so you can read that passage in Joel. You can make the connection to Acts chapter 2. Some preacher comes along and says, uh, maybe he's studying Joel chapter 2, and he says, see, these things got to happen. Uh, no, those things already happened because Peter quoted yeah. and said they happened in Acts chapter 2. Right. Uh, you need to use plain Bible passages that are easier to understand. Use those Bible passages to help you understand the more complicated, more difficult passages. Make sure that you properly understand the Bible's use of uh, figurative language. There are lots yeah. of figures of speech that are used in the Bible, and we need to understand that to, in, to properly interpret the Bible. Hyperbole, exaggeration for the sake of emphasis, uh, metonymy, synecdoche, simile, anthropomorphism. I know, I know the meaning of some of those words. <laughs> uh, anthropomorphism, uh, attributing human characteristics to God. You know, God is a spirit, John 4, 24. But sometimes the Bible uses human-like descriptions of God, and we need to understand those figures of speech to really understand the nature of God. So those are just a few hermeneutical principles or, you know, principles of interpretation of the Bible. If we don't understand uh, figurative language, we're probably not going to do very well in books like Ezekiel and Daniel and oh, yeah. Revelation, right? So so we've got to really hone in on some of those kind of things if we're going to understand the Bible properly. Yeah, so I'd add to that just a little bit. Um, um, you know, I'm, I'm the very first one that you brought up was was one that I want to make sure, um, you know, I was, I've kind of been going off of um, uh, Levy Hedge's Elements of Logic and um, you know, he uh, has several things here, but, you know, one, you know, a couple of things I think help, you know, tremendously in, in understanding the Bible is uh, knowing the author. If you know the author, that helps you to understand, um, you know, what's going on now. Um, Can I there... say something to that real quick? Yeah, go ahead. I was uh, preaching on marriage, divorce, and remarriage one time. And I had a gentleman, my brother, come up to me and, you know, was questioning some things. And he was wanting to know, you know, is it 100 percent sure that I'm in trouble on this subject and, you know, I can't remarry? And and he had been told some things by someone else that kind of left that up in the air. And lovingly and kindly, I, I told him, I said, well, no, brother, that's that's not right. You know uh, that. This is the case. And unfortunately, there's teaching from 1 Corinthians chapter 7 that has been twisted and manipulated by some to make out that uh, some can remarry when they really can't. And what I simply told this brother as he was kind of questioning all that, I said, hey, is Paul going to contradict himself? And he said, well, no, of course not. And I said, exactly. So you go over here to Romans chapter 7, verses 2 and 3. He's really clear on that, and he says, look, death is what separates the marriage. 
And if if that's not what's separating the marriage, then she shall be called a what? An adulteress. And, you know, Paul's not going to contradict himself. And, of course, Paul's not going to contradict Jesus Christ and his teachings in Matthew chapter 19, the only uh, exception clause being fornication, uh, Matthew 19, verse 9. So I say all that to say this. You're talking about knowing your author. Let's say you're reading the writings of Paul. Okay, what all, you know, think in your mind mm-hmm. things that you have studied from God's Word. What all has Paul said about this? Paul's not going to contradict yeah. himself. So don't let somebody take something in 1 Corinthians 7 and twist it and get you to thinking that Paul approved of something that would contradict himself and contradict right. the, the teaching of Jesus Christ. Yeah, yeah, exactly. You're right about that. So, yeah, so you got to know the author. Um, you know, he made an excellent point there. You also need to know the background, um, what's going on. Um, you know, I think um, there would be some things that you'd be hard-pressed to understand in Romans if you didn't know the Edict of Claudius. You kind of have to know some background. Um you know, I think you'd be hard pressed to understand First John if uh, you don't know what agnosticism is. You know, there's some things that you you have to kind of understand. Now, um, gladly, you know, I'd, I'd help out with anybody who who want help on this. But lots of good men have um, come before and have done a lot of study and have um, you know figured a lot of this stuff out. And we don't have to reinvent the wheel here. Uh, so we we have a lot of people that have gone before. Um, but yeah, no, you've got to know uh, basically time and place. You've got to know the greater context of what's going on. Um, because if you, and, and like, you know, just for instance, um, I think you'd be hard pressed to understand Hebrews at all. If you don't have at least a decent understanding of the old Testament. Um, Leviticus in particular. Oh man. Yeah. Yeah. You've got to know that. And then if, um, if you don't, you're going to go into Hebrews and go, I don't, I don't understand this. I don't get it, you know, and. And Hebrews um, can provide further commentary on Galatians, Romans. Right. Mm-hmm. right. So, so, yeah, that I think, you know, uh, everything that you said is great. Um, and uh, I just add those couple of things, you know, there's um, uh, the rules that I have. There's like 15 of them and some of them, they get very, very specific, basically. Um, another one that maybe I'd add in here is the fact that, uh, you need to have a good understanding of the language, uh, that's written in now for us, for most of us, that's English. Okay. You need to have a good grasp on English. Uh, I know that people oftentimes go, oh, you need to study the original text. That's not, that's not what's being stated here. Now that does certainly help if you know the original text and you can go back and you can look at that too. Um, but, um, uh, having an understanding of the language that's written in is going to be important because I mean, listen, if you don't know, um, English, if you can't really read well, how are you going to be able to understand the Bible? Um, someone else is going to tell you. So yeah, you've just got to know some simple things, you know, it's not like it's overly complicated, but you just need to know English well enough to be able to, to be proficient at reading it and understanding it. I'll give an example there real quick. Uh, what is a coordinating conjunction, right? And would be an example of a coordinating conjunction. It joins two equally important things. So Mark 16, 16, he who believes and 
is baptized. Right. That co- coordinating conjunction, you might as well call it a plus sign. And, right. you know, it's he who believes plus baptism equals saved. Grammatically, that's what it's saying. And so when we understand grammar, it'll help us with very, very important things such as salvation, etc. Yeah. Okay, so uh, the last one that we're going to look at for right now is um, uh, textual. Now, what's the difference here, um, you know, between the two and, and what or or just in your own words, uh, describe what textual studies are? So I'm going to I think I know what you mean by this. Uh, we we would use exegesis in a textual study. But a textual study itself is just, you know, walking through the text of a book of the Bible verse by verse. And I think it's important for us to, you know, you talked about this earlier, you know, do you go slow? Do you just read, you know, at at your own pace or whatnot? I kind of do both. In my individual study, especially for sermons and Bible classes, I go very, very slow. And I I look at every word and I try to Mm -hmm. detail every word. But like in family Bible time, I go faster and I pick just, you know, a thing here and a thing there and emphasize those. And so I think it depends on what's your audience, um, what's your purpose of study. If it's a sermon, you might want to be more detailed. If it's family Bible time, you might want to be a little more broad. Yeah. But uh, a textual study is just, you know, just reading, reading through God's word and stopping and and taking note of some things, some lessons that you can learn uh, from those things. So, don't need to rush. Um, I think it's important for us to read with the mindset of, hey, we want to understand this. Yeah. We want to truly study it and understand it. You know, sometimes I think we set goals at the beginning of a year or whatnot of, you know, we've got to read X amount of verses and we've got to get it done. Well, sometimes in order to get it done, we just rush through it and we don't really glean Mm -hmm. as much from it. So it could be the case that it would be better for us to just slow down and read perhaps a few less verses, but, but do a better job of reading them and studying them so that we can actually glean some things that we need to learn. So that's a case by case basis, you know, depending on what pace you and your family is going to need to go and, and how much knowledge you already have. But the Bible is a goldmine of information, and so every time you read it, you should be learning something because there's just so much that is there. Yeah, so, I mean, yeah, I think that's exactly right. You know, when it comes down to the difference here, you are going to use exegesis in order to teach through a text. And I'll have to tell you that um, I used to do only exegetical sermons. Um, but now I do more textual sermons than anything, um, because what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to get everybody to understand the majority of the text here. You know, I want them to know what the verses mean. I want them to know what's going on. Um, I will use exegesis in order to get there. Uh, but, um, you know, whereas I may need to know what a Greek word is, I may not have to tell anybody else except, you know, I, I just put it in my notes and nobody else has to know it. Um, yeah, I think I think exegesis is a little bit more detailed, a little bit more uh, finely tuned in study versus uh, textual study might be a little bit broader, but it right. hones in on on, you know, this is the application right. of this text yeah. we just studied. 
for this sermon or whatnot. Hey, make mm-hmm. sure you get this. Make sure you get this application. Yeah, right. And that's that. I think that's where, um, you know, it's kind of hard to, uh, you know, really have, you know, you know, these, um, you know, an exegesis would be more of the expository sermon. Um, it's kind of hard to have a true expository sermon uh, because the expository sermon uh, only deals with the text that you're in. Um, you know, we're going to make some applications off that. You're going to study in the language a little bit, you know, but um, you're just talking about that text. And sometimes you're making some application, but you're just studying about that text. When you look at, at a textual study, um, there's more, more to discuss, um, you know, and, it, you know, an exegetical or an expository sermon is going to be typically a few verses because like, man, if I'm going to go 45 minutes on three or four verses, um, yeah. but I can teach an entire chapter of a book in a textual study right. and uh, people don't get bogged down by the details, you know? Yeah. And so, and there's a good you know, mix of all of this, whether we're talking right. topical, textual, or expository. Hopefully, right. we're kind of using uh, a little bit of each in our sermons. Yeah. And knowing your audience. I mean, when you're talking about kids, you're probably not going to do a whole lot of, you know, expository stuff for your kids unless they're older. You know, right. um, you're going to stick more to text. You're going to stick more to topics. Um, yeah. You might study some words here and there. Um, For us, I mean, we're studying through Genesis some right now, and we're doing a few other things, too, like we're going through a book. Um, But in our Genesis study, I read a chapter and I make a couple of points like, hey, remember this about Noah and, you know, remember that as well. Why did why did he do this? Why? Why was the world in such a situation? You know, because of sin. So you make those big picture points, especially for younger kids, I think. Right. Okay, so you have anything else to add, or you want to get on to this next part here? I'm ready to hear your your uh, Bible study plan. I'm ready to learn okay. something from this. So, all right, so uh, I guess give a little bit of background. Um, this, uh, uh, so I I had had a pretty bad uh, car accident where I um, had a uh, pretty major concussion, and um, I had been uh, knocked out in in the wreck and uh i just uh, i had a hard time um i couldn't read the bible for more than like 15 minutes at a time or i'd like get physically ill uh just because of you know having the concussion um it also has affected my memory um i've you know before uh, i could have easily uh preached without notes um i could have uh you know, uh, I probably wouldn't quote every single verse in my lesson, but I would have quoted, you know, a grand majority of them. Um, and uh, but now I can't do that. And I was kind of getting upset because I could I I got out of the concussion, you know, you know, uh, I think it's very likely that I um, didn't get diagnosed properly of having a traumatic brain injury with uh, some of my uh symptoms uh that followed but um anyway all that being said uh i couldn't preach the same way and i was getting really frustrated with it and so um i um i i 
I called up somebody. I actually, I started, I had this thought process. I thought, well, maybe if I um, manuscripted my sermon, then I could get to a point where I could, I could teach the same way I had been. And so I didn't know where to start on that. I've never manuscripted. I usually just use the skeleton outline if I used an outline and just just a real basic, you know, I could fit it on a note card and I'd stick in my Bible. Um, and now I'd have pages and pages of notes <laughs> because I just can't I just couldn't do that. So um, I got I was getting frustrated. And so I started like kind of uh, researching that a little bit and leaning on people. And so I knew of a couple of people that manuscripted. So I, I asked them, you know, like, how many words are you writing to equal a 30 minute sermon? You know, um, how long does it take you? Is this feasible to do for both sermons? You know, I'm, I'm asking all these questions because they're done for. And someone said, you should, um, you know, ask um, uh, Alan Webster because uh, he manuscripts. So I, I, I told him, you know, what was going on. I asked him, uh, for some help in this. And so he gave me some some good advice on manuscripting. But then he said, but I know uh, another guy who um, who has been dealing with the same thing that you're dealing with. And I said, oh, really? And he said, yeah, do you by any chance know Matt Jones? And I'm like, do I know? I went to school with Matt Jones. You know, I had no idea he was dealing with this. So I called up Matt. Similar thing. Had a wreck. Hit his head real hard and couldn't do the same things that he'd done before. And so um, I was like, man, can you help me out? He said, yeah, like, you know, some of the things that Alan had told me, he was saying, like, listen, you know, just kind of stick to a text and don't worry about, you know, adding in all these different verses from different places um, as much as you had been. Um, and uh, and you'll probably be OK. You'll figure it out along the way. He said, but. I can help you out you know, with, with something. And he recommended, uh, that I get a book and, uh, it's an older book. I'm trying to recall. I meant to write it down. Um, uh, the, the title of it is how to master the English Bible. And it was written during, I think the 1800s, if I can recall correctly. Um, you can get it. It's out of print, but you know, people have reprinted it through like Amazon and such. Uh, I believe the author is James Gray, um, but um, uh, anyway, it's How to Master the English Bible. It's a short read, uh, but in it, um, he uh, mentions that, you know, this is a, a denominational guy, so I can't re recommend every single thing in the book, but I'm going to tell you basically what to do here. But um, he uh, said that he was at a conference and he met this guy, and the guy uh, said, um, you know, that he was just really, you know, upbeat. And um, and he said uh, uh, he got to know this guy over this conference and he's just he's just a member of some, you know, denominational church. You know, I don't know, but he wasn't he wasn't any kind of a preacher of any type. And so um, this preacher said, <clears throat> I just kind of want to know why you're, you know, basically why you are the way that you are. Like, how did you get here? And he said, I read the book of Ephesians. And he's like, well, I read the book of Ephesians, too. And I don't act like this. So, like, you know, what's the deal? And he said, well, um, I uh, what I, I did is I was going on a trip 
and um, all I had, uh, I, I took, I didn't want to take, you know, my big Bible with me. So I took a, um, uh, just a, a single printout of, of Ephesians. And he said, and what, there's one day that I didn't have anything to do. So I went out, uh, laid down under a tree and I read the book of Ephesians. And he said, and I got through with it and I read it again and again. And he, I, he said, I did it 12 times. I read through the book of Ephesians 12 times. And each time I started picking up more things from it and I started understanding it better. And uh, and so he's, you know, then goes on to explain these things here. And so this is this is how I do my Bible study now. Primarily, there are times where I can't stick to this plan, uh, but this is primarily what what I'm I would do. I'm going to give you the original recommendations for what he would he would say to do. Um, and that is, first of all, um, read, uh, read the Bible. But you don't read the Bible. I mean, uh, as as we think throughout the year and go, oh, I'm going to read the Bible, you know, in the year. I've read the Bible once in 91 days. I was going for 90 days and I didn't quite get there. But, you know, you go, oh, I'm going to read the Bible in 90 days or I'm going to read the Bible in a month or whatever you want to do. And um, that's fine. But there's too much there to really grasp. He said, so what you do is you get one book of the Bible and you read one book and you read it over and over again. Until you start being able to, you know, pick up on some things, you start outlining some things, you start kind of formulating this in your mind. Now, this is all before study, um, but you read it several times, but you only read that book. Now, um, you know, the, the main advice here was start from the beginning. So just start in Genesis and do this with every book of the Bible all the way through Revelation. Unfortunately, I I was not able to do that because I'm a preacher. If I wasn't a preacher, that's exactly what I would do. I would start over at Genesis and I would do that. I'm hoping that eventually I can kind of work my way to start doing this a little bit more. But um, but anyway, you try to read that book in one sitting. So um, instead of, uh, you know, I'm going to read for an hour and I'm going to put it down. No, you read it through uh, and uh, try to read it in one sitting. And uh, read only that book. Don't, you know, pick up magazines. Don't do anything else. You're only reading that. So if you're reading through Genesis, you're reading through Genesis and you read it through several times. Um, it might take more, you know, the longer the book is, you may have to read it more times. But, um, you know, I think, you know, a good place to start is 10 to 12 times, you know, read through it and you're going to uh, start picking up on stuff. So this is what's going to happen. Uh, you're going to begin to uh, start seeing some things. You're going to uh, start uh, seeing a major outline forming in every book that you read. Um, you're going to find some keys that you hadn't noticed before. Um, uh, matter of fact, um, I was over the summer, uh, I was asked to uh, speak on uh, Daniel. And in my preparation for Daniel, I read Daniel 12 times. And that was all I did. Um, I just read it 12 times. Uh, I underlined a few things because I hadn't seen it before. I, there were some keys in there. I thought, oh, this is pretty interesting. You know, um, there's a new king. Underline that. Oh, there's a new king. Underline that. Oh, there's a new king. You know, there's a these, these changes in regimes that happen. And so I underlined those things because I thought it was interesting. Uh, I underlined, uh, underlined a few things um, based on 
uh, their view of Daniel and his God, um, because I thought that was interesting. Uh, but I didn't do anything other than that. I didn't go. I didn't sit down and outline it. I actually did not um, do anything but read it. And I, I, I feel like that was actually one of my better lessons that I've preached because all I did was just read it over and over and over again. And um, and people even came up to me afterwards and asked me some questions. And I was able to answer those questions because guess what? I'd read it over and over and over again. Um, and so uh, you're going to pick up on these subtle nuances. You're going to start to get a better grasp of what's going on. Um, and your questions will lead to further study. You'll, you will want to study other things um, in it. And so the study... Uh, will take place, and uh, you're going to want to look at the uh, related verses and the scriptural context and the historical context. Um, but um, you're going to find things that you have um, that are going to challenge you, things that you've you've heard so many times, and then you're going to find out. Well, you know, um, some of the people that taught me this didn't quite get this. Um, I'll give you an example. Um, I, I did this. Uh, I'm, I'm still currently doing this. I'm, I'm reading through First uh, Samuel. Uh, I had already studied a, uh, started a study on this uh, prior to having uh, the wreck. And uh, so I, I um, was preaching through it. And then I moved and I decided I still wanted to preach on it. So I, I started over uh, where I'm at now. And um, well, one thing that I've always heard about Saul in, from First Samuel is that Saul starts off humble. Um, that is not true at all. Um, people oftentimes go to uh, 1 Samuel 15, and I believe it's verse 17, where um, Samuel says uh, that you are uh, you uh, thought yourself little in your own eyes. And so people go, see, he thought he was humble. And then they go back and they look at, well, whenever he was uh, going to be announced as king, where was he? He was hiding among the baggage, you know, see, and, and they say, see, that that was showing a humble man. Um, that's not showing a humble man. That's showing a scared man. Uh, he's not humble. He's scared. Um, and then that bleeds on throughout the rest of this. I mean, I could go on and on and on about several times where uh, Saul is just afraid of something. Now, a couple of verses uh, in front of verse 17 in 1 Samuel 15, uh, it discusses that he blames the people. Uh, for sparing uh, the king Agag, who he was supposed to utterly destroy, uh, he was supposed to uh, utterly destroy the the uh, herds and the flocks, and he spared the choicest of those things, and he blames it on the people. And so Samuel's response here is, "You thought yourself little in your own eyes." Basically, hey buddy, aren't you a king? Aren't you supposed to be in charge of everybody? And when you look at the context of that, you see it clearly, but. Um, when you're when you only study through it every, you know, uh, a little bit at a time, you don't see that. But if you read through it 12 times, you're going, I don't I don't see any humility in this man. You know, what I do see in this man is incompetence. He's very incompetent. Um, when, you know, when you start looking at the fact that he lost the herd and you're going, oh, boy, you know, he lost the herd. So he goes looking for it. And um, he never finds it. Uh, matter of fact, somebody else finds it. And, um, you know, they say, well, let's go. Uh, uh, let's go and and talk to Samuel. Samuel can tell us what to do, you know. And um, 
that's that's not even Saul's idea. That's his uh, servant's idea. Then he's like, well, how are we going to pay for it? And the servant says, well, I got some money. You know, it's Saul doesn't come up with any solutions. He just comes up with problems. Um, and um, he only has really one shining moment where he acts like a king and then everything else is just downhill. And so, um, you know, I've I don't know how many times in the past I've taught. Oh, well, Saul started off humble. And then I can't went over to first Samuel 15 and verse 17, plucked that one straight out of context and used it. Um, but it's just not true. Um, and it's in the context of Samuel saying, you, you're in charge. You're supposed to be leading these people. You thought little of yourself, you know, that is not humble, but, um, that you are not, you know, as important. That's the idea. You're not as important, you know, you, but you're the king and you should have done responsibility wise. Right. So. You pick up on those things if you read it through and you read it through and you read it through. I think this this method would, would help tremendously in studying Job. You know, oh, I, man, yeah. historically, yeah. when I, I look back at my life, I think about how how many times I tried to pick up Job and read it. And about five chapters in, I was just like, I'm lost. I, I don't know what's going on. But the last time I did a study of Job, I just said, you know what? No matter what, I'm going to read through this entire book. And I did. And I quit worrying about, you know, every single detail. Like I've got to understand every single detail or, or else I'm going to uh, fail in my study of this. I said, I'm not going to worry about that this time. I'm just going to read the whole book. And I'm going to at least bare minimum get a big picture of this book so I can at least get the big concept of it. And mm -hmm. guess what? <laughs> I understood yeah. it so much better yeah. When I, I studied it that way and, you know, the next time I study through it in depth, I'll understand it even better. And I think we need to be careful not to get down on ourselves if we're struggling yeah. in some of our study. Hey, just just read it. And like you said, yeah. reread it and reread it. And you're going to yeah. start piecing things together the more you do that. Yeah. And I'll, I'll just keep a sheet of paper out sometimes or a, a Word document up or something where I can just like, as I'm going, like I'll jot something down. I'm not like, I'm not there to take a bunch of notes, but if I go, man, I wonder what this is, you know, I type that out and go, or write that down and go, I'm going to, I'm going to stick a pen in this. I'm going to come back to it later, but I don't really come back to any of that stuff until I've read it through like 12 times, you know, and sometimes I'm going to guess that something like Job, you're going to have to read through. Uh, even more than that, um, maybe even upwards to 20 times to really get the whole thing. I mean, I don't know. I've not done that one yet. Um, but uh, yeah, those bigger books, you're going to have to read them and read them. You know, it's kind of funny because when I was thinking back about this, um, you know, there was a test that we took when I was at Memphis and it was over um, First Thessalonians. And um, I I can't remember um what we did is we tried to just memorize first thessalonians because we're like you know what if you just kind of know everything about it then you ought to be able to take a test now i didn't quite do that i think i i got through the first two chapters and i had them memorized before the test came up and then uh when the test came guess what i knew every single question's answer for the first two chapters i knew them all i didn't have a problem with anything um, and I thought, you know what, if, you know, looking back, I go, 
you know, if I just read that thing, because there's actually another guy in school and and his thought process was I'm not going to try to memorize it because he was kind of in, in our friend group. He said, I'm not going to try to memorize it. What I'm going to try to do is I'm just going to try to read it 100 times. And he got a perfect score on the test because I don't know how many times he read it, but he said, I think, I think he said, I read it like 50 times. And, uh, but he was like, I'm going to try to read it a hundred times. And he only read 50 times, but he, he got, you know, a perfect score on the test because he grasped, he grasped it, he yep. understood it. Yep. So, yeah, uh, I used to make fun of, um, this thought of, oh, let's read the Bible through in a year. And I'm like, okay. You know, like that's, but it's, I don't make fun of that anymore. Read your Bible, just read it. You know, like I was always like, okay, read your Bible, but you need to study it because studying it is way more important than just reading it. Um, but man, you're going to study it if you read it. And yeah. if you read it a bunch of times, you're going to understand more than if you just started going verse by verse trying to study it. So, yeah, I, I, this is, this is um, not the only thing that I do. But this is the most beneficial thing that I do. And I've thought about this, too. If you can teach your kids to do this, then, man, your kids are going to be so much better understanding of the scriptures when they get to be your age. Um, start them off early on on this method. I, I, I wholeheartedly believe in it. Very nice. That, that sounds yeah. great. I'm, uh, I'm looking forward to giving that a try myself. Yeah. Well, do you have anything else to add to this? We kind of went longer than I thought we would, but um, you have any other thoughts here, Chase? I think, uh, I don't know, I think we've pretty much covered it. I think it's just important for us again to remind dads who are listening to this, just just get in God's Word. Yeah. Do it with your family. Um, lead by example. Study. And uh, don't neglect it. And even if you, let's say that, you know, you're wishing for X amount of knowledge and you don't get as much as what you were hoping for, well, you're still getting something compared yeah. to having done nothing previously. So just, uh, if, again, kind of the, the overarching theme of this entire podcast, if you need some motivation, you need some encouragement to get in there and study God's word with your family every day, just do it. Just, just start doing it, and, uh, you know, you'll get better at it the more you do it. So I just yeah. want to kind of throw in that a bit of encouragement again as that's kind of the premise of this podcast. So, Yeah, and I, I'd add this to the, this as well. Um, this is something also that I do in regards to getting into the Word of God. Um, I realize that there are other things, other opportunities that we have. Um, you can listen to music on your drive. You can listen to a podcast on your drive, which can be good, especially if you're listening to this podcast. But, um, you know, you you can listen to the Bible. You know, you can get a Bible app that you can listen to the Bible. And, um, you know, I, I'd make this last encouragement here. Um, you know, just pick up the book of Ephesians and try it. You know, it's a short book. Just read through it 12 times and see what happens. And I, I'll tell you, um, I think you'll be surprised at um, at your grasp of the book of Ephesians after. And Ephesians that. is super encouraging, too. Oh, yeah. It's, oh, it's yeah. a wonderful book. Oh, yeah. All right. Well, thanks for joining us on this episode of Father Time. Looking forward to another uh, episode uh, next month. Um, and so join us next time for another episode of Father Time uh, coming 
in March. 